This is a Q&A time. <clears throat> I have five questions here to uh, I attempt to answer them. The first question, can I say Siddhartha was the last Pratyeka Buddha? Well, for people who don't understand what Siddhartha, Siddhartha was the, the name of Buddha when he was a prince. Uh, his name, according to history, was Siddhartha Gautama. And he was the prince, he was the successor to the throne of one of the uh, strongest countries. There's so many countries in India at that time. He's a prince. And he enjoyed the luxuries in the palace. We are always looking for luxuries and enjoyment and all that. But he had all the luxuries and they didn't feel happy about it. So he wanted to walk out of the palace uh, and we walk out of the palace, he saw a few phenomena. And I want to keep the story brief. He saw death, he saw the sick, he saw people who were suffering, and he also saw, all of a sudden, he saw a, a monk, a very graceful monk walking, taking arms around. So he said, how come this is so serene and tranquil, a monk walking there, and I can see all these phenomena that are depressing, that is suffering, that is sickness, that is death, you know, along the river gauges. There are cops throwing the river and burn and all that. How come there's suffering around? He wanted to know what suffering is all about. And he wanted to get rid of the suffering. He wanted to avoid suffering. He wanted to eradicate suffering. Not only for himself, he wanted to do it for his, all his citizens. He wanted everybody to be non-sick. Nobody has to die. Nobody has to go through suffering. And at that time, 2,600 years ago, philosophy in India is so rampant and so high level. There are a lot of philosophers, and they're looking for metaphysical spiritual journey. And this Siddhartha, the prince, Gautama, thought that he couldn't get an answer from acquisition of material because he got all the material, all the luxuries. He couldn't get an answer to end suffering through just satisfying the senses every day, dancing and singing and music and all that. And he was not happy at all after going through all these luxuries and enjoyment and life of sensual pleasures. So he became an ascetic looking for something that would end suffering. And he started with that intention, with that motive of trying to find ways to get rid of suffering, not just for himself, for all his beloved citizens that he loved so much, all his citizens. He went in the forest and looked for research in the philosophy of life. He had a lot of teachers. He went through all the hardships of life, became ascetics. Uh, he, he, he adopted many, many methods in looking for the truth, in looking for method to end suffering. And there's a long story behind it, of course. I try to keep it short. And after eight years, he was able to arrive at something. And he found a way to end suffering, not just for himself, for all people. And after he'd done that, he thought to himself, now I'm already, I have already ended my suffering. Um, 
that could be sufficient for me. So maybe I'll get into nirvana. Getting into nirvana is to end this karmic body. So we, everybody carry a karmic body. You and I will carry this karmic body. This body is from karma. You know what a karma is? Karma is an accumulation of all the, so to speak, energy that you have accumulated since previous lives. Energy, bad energy, good energy. In the Buddhist language, we call that karma. It's an accumulation of your thought, of your speech, of your action. You're nothing but thought, speech, and action, right? Your thought, your speech, your action. Every thought produces energy, and every energy counts. So that's the reason why. Be careful with your thought. If you have a bad thought, you will have bad energy. If you always have a, a thought of compassion, a thought of generosity, a thought of kindness, if you always have that thought, that produces a kind energy, a good energy. If you always have this egoistic energy, this is mine, I want this, I want that, you know. You're creating karma in the process. And when you create a karma, you carry this karma to your next life. So every thought counts. So this Siddhartha Gautama, after eight years of intensive studies and practice, he became the Buddha. And some people may ask another question. How come it took him only eight years? I was told that it, took, it takes ages, it takes hundreds of years to become the Buddha. How come it took him only eight years? Because in all his previous life, he has been learning. In last life, life before, he has been learning all this meditation, all this many, many methods. He has been accumulating all this good karma, and this is I'm come to this life as Siddhartha Gautama, his good energy makes sure that he becomes the Buddha. In other words, the example I gave when I back, went back there in meditation hall is we're always in prison. Now he was able to walk out from prison. And as he was walking out, he heard voices from another level invoking and beseeching him not to leave. Introduce the method that you have found. Don't forget, you want to find that method to relieve, to liberate yourself from suffering, not only for yourself, but also for the people, for your people. That reminded me, yeah, that's my original intention. So he was a Pratyeka Buddha before. Pratyeka Buddha means concerning one's life uh, liberation. I'll give you an example as a prison, as living in prison. I'm a prisoner. If I'm qualified to go out, liberate myself, get, getting free, why do I have to care about all the other inmates? Why do I have to care? Because I can walk out already. I've been given the freedom to walk out. And then, all of a sudden, an enlightened warden said, don't walk out. You've got to help all your folks behind that you have been living with them for many, many years. Can you liberate them also? So he invited them back to prison. He didn't get into nirvana. He didn't get into freedom. He wanted to walk back to prison and start to do his teaching so that all his folks can get out too. So he was a Pratyeka Buddha before, aiming at self-enlightenment. And he changed to another course, aiming for compassion for all, not just for himself. And that's the Bodhisattva's approach of the teaching. So if you say, is he, was he the last Pratyeka Buddha? Yes, he was the last Pratyeka Buddha but you should 
you raise Pratyeka because he was the last Buddha, because he changed from Pratyeka to become all-compassionate, all-saving Buddha. So there are different levels of Buddhahood. Pratyeka Buddha, Stravika, Stradhapana, Anadagaman, Sakritagaman, and so on and so forth. So, was he the last Buddha? Yes, according to human history. According to human history, written down in history, recognized by all humans, we have a Buddha 2,600 years ago in India. That was in writing, that was in history. You, you, there's no denying about that, because they've been passed down one year after year and after year. We can't say that, okay, uh, I've never seen President Lincoln, so I don't believe in President Lincoln. The history says that there's a President Lincoln. I don't believe in the French Revolution, uh, Louis XVIII, because I was not born there, I didn't see it, but it was written as history. Some people is very argumentative, you know. He only believes in things that he see. I've never seen Buddha, how can I believe in Buddha? I've never seen God, I don't believe in a God. You don't necessarily have to see with your eyes to believe in something. You know how do you believe in something? There are many ways to believe in something. There is a direct contact of consciousness with facts, there's the postulation of your consciousness with assumptions. There's also um, passing down by saints of history of their knowledge passing down to us. So there's so many ways in believing in something, not just by direct contact of your senses. If a dog barks now, um, then I have reason to believe that an ambulance will go by. Because a, a dog can listen to five miles away. My ears cannot. So I can say, I didn't hear that ambulance, so there's no ambulance coming in this way, because my senses are limited, not as good as a dog. So if, if there's a dog barking, I have reason to believe that, hey, there may be an ambulance coming by. How come a dog, without reason, all of a sudden barks because he heard the siren of an ambulance five miles away? So I have reason to postulate that an ambulance will be going by, right? Right? I don't have to necessarily hear it with my own ears, see it with my own eyes. You have never seen your great-great-great-grandfather. But do you believe that you have such a grandfather? I don't have a great-great-great-great-grandfather because I haven't seen him. Of course you haven't seen him. You were not born. But you have reason to postulate from hereditary traits that if you have a father, your father have a father, and your father have a father, and you trace back, right? So don't say that you haven't seen anything with your eyes that you don't believe in it. There's so many ways of believing in it, as expounded by Nagarjuna in the Buddhist teaching. Nagarjuna explained logic, the logic expounded by the Buddha. You have to understand life first by logic, that is the manifesting part of the Buddhist teaching. There's also an esoteric part of the Buddhist teaching, which is beyond logic. You cannot just use logic, you know. But <laughs> there's logic behind. Oh, that, that's enough for now. I mean, it's just one question. I don't want to go into a, a, whole, a whole course of logic. Next question. There was a lot of notes from last week's lecture and it was difficult to write down everything. Can I get a copy of all the, of all the notes? I can give you some because I have so many of them. If I start to distribute all the notes that I have, I need a printing house because I have thousands of these notes.
it's very time consuming to print because when I'm printing just for here about 20 people if I have a hundred how many 20,000 pages so how can I print 20,000 pages I cannot just give it to you without giving to the others but don't worry about it if you're really interested you can talk to me I can make some for you nowadays you can get into the internet and can, you can see a, a lot of these notes for example dependent origination Paticca Samupata uh, if you get into Aja Punachi's lecture he got a lot of good lecture notes in there Punachi he's an excellent uh, lecturer on, on uh, dependent origination you should check into it there's so many good lectures on YouTube okay so next question what is the uh, Buddhist view of music? Is it accepted or is it simply another attachment? Music is regarding sound. And sound is so mystical. There is sound that is good and there is sound that is bad. And there is sound that is neutral. There is sound that is transcendental. So if you ask me, is music good? Depends on what kind of music. Some music is terrible. Some music, uh, you don't want to listen to it. But soft, good music, it's enlightening, it's enchanting, it's soothing, it's meditative. Actually, it's not the tools that matter, it's your own mind. If you're asking me, is, is fire a good servant or a good master? I said, depends on what you think. Fire could be your good servant if you use it properly. But fire can be, if fire becomes your master, you're in trouble. It burns you. Water. Is water good? It's good when you're drinking pure, pollution-free water. It's no good if it becomes a tsunami that wipes your whole country. And you also ask me sometimes, is treating people kind good? Even kindness could be manipulative. If someone is standing in the front of a liquor store and you're passing by and that, that, that person said, can you spare me a dollar? I, need a, I don't need to take a subway to downtown. And, uh, and, the, and then you say, oh, this guy is poor. All right, I give you five bucks, okay, take the subway. And you walk another mile, he's already got his liquor out from the liquor store. He's using your five dollars to get liquor to drink. He's not using your five dollars to get to the subway. So, your kindness, you must be, you must have the right judgment to exercise your kindness. You know why there's so many hands, when you go out to the Buddhist statue in there, a huge big Buddhist statue with so many hands, Getting out, and some people say, oh, it's awesome, I don't like it. Oh, it's scary, with so many hands. How come there's so many hands? What do you find in each hand? Hand is to help people. One hand is not enough, you know. There's so many people. One hand is not enough. Even a thousand hands is not enough. Because you need to help so many people. You're not discriminative. You want to help. But do you realize, you can go out and see now, do you realize there's an eye in the hand? You have to use judgment. You have to see. You have to use your wisdom to see if the help is needed, if the help is exercised in the right way. So you need wisdom to help.
If you hire a bad guy to do bad things, you're in trouble. Okay, so if you ask me, is music good? Don't generalize. It could be good, it could be bad. If you attach in music in such a way that you forget about your homework, you forget about your responsibility as your father, as a dad, as a mom, you just bury yourself in a cocoon like a caterpillar and that cocoon is called music. You bury yourself in a guitar, you don't, worry, you don't care about your homework, you don't care about your schoolwork, you just, you just bury yourself in your guitar and your piano and all that, there's no good for you. If you bury yourself in music, you don't care about your family, there's no good for you. It's not music. Music itself has nothing like bad or good. It's your mind that is good or that is bad. Next question. Can beings in Rupa Dattu or Rupa Dattu retrogress back into Kama Dattu? Yes. When they're in the higher level, they would retrogress back into the lower level too. Why? Because the maturity of the karma is different. Say that this individual, maybe um, 500 lives ago, did something really very beneficial, really, really good. And in certain life, it did something really bad. It was suffering in inferno, in hell. But in certain situations, the karma that he built for the good karma matures now. In the next life, he will go to heaven. He will go to Rupadhatu or Rupadhatu. The maturity of karma is different. He may retrogress depending on whether he has done causes, he had cultivated causes. That accounts for his retrogression. That also explains causality. Some people say, I know this guy, his name is John, jo John so and so. He did all kinds of bad things. He gambled, he drank, he fooled around with ladies and fool, you know, that kind of thing. You know, he's, he's no good, he's absolutely the bad person. And how come he became very successful in his business? You know why? Because all the good causes that contribute to his good business in this life were being done in previous life, and this matured first. So he became a billionaire. The fact that he did something really wrong in this life has not come to maturity. It would mature in the next life. It's just like, don't ask me an apple. You plant an apple, apple tree, uh, apple seed in here. Three years, you see an apple. But for a peach tree, it may take six years. You can plant it at the same time, a peach, a cherry, whatever. The fruits mature differently. You can't say, they should mature at the same time. How come I don't see any cherries? I only see apples. I only see peaches. Because they mature at a different time. So don't think that a good guy, oh, that guy is really good, you know, he's really kind, he's really compassionate, and he died of cancer. How come? Because the cause that he died, the effect of dying of cancer of this life, is due to the cause that he cultivated in previous life. Whatever good things that he have done in this life, it will come. Good causes will come. You can never get away from it, good or bad. You think you can get away? If you've done something wrong, you can get away from the police. You can even get away from the legal system. But you can never get away from causality. It will get you. For whatever good things you have done, you think, well, I've done some good things, nobody knows about it, and uh, I've been so kind, 
and nobody knows, so I've wasted my kindness. No. Causality would compensate you sooner or later. You can get away from the bad things you have done. Even if you don't want good results to come up because of the good things you have done, it will show. It will show, it will show up. Okay, last question. Do I have to be a vegetarian to be a Buddhist? No. There are many Buddhists who are not vegetarian, and there are vegetarians who are not Buddhists. But if you are Buddhist, you should be a vegetarian. You know why? Because the Buddhist teaching said, don't kill animals. Don't kill animals for food. Animals have feelings too. Animals have mom and dad. Animals have brothers and sisters. Why do you kill the brothers and sisters and kill their mom and dad? Why do you want to maintain your family? Whereas don't care about families of the chickens, of the ducks, or don't worry about them. So if you're a Buddhist, you should be a vegetarian. But a vegetarian may not be a Buddhist, you know. There are many people who are not Buddhists, they're vegetarians. And they're vegetarian mostly, not mostly, but some of them, maybe more than 50% of them, because of health. They want to have good health. They don't have that concept of not killing animals, some of them. I noticed a number of signs outside saying do not photograph, and I'm wondering why... You don't have the photographing? That you can photograph outside, you cannot photograph inside, and I'll tell you why. Uh, according to museum workers, they say that if a statue, a gold leaf statue, if you flash it too much, it would flash, flash out the glamour and the, and, and the candor of the gold. Now, that's not our saying. There's people who work in the museum, anthropology. In a museum, they don't allow people to take photographs inside. Um, usually, they don't allow it. That's the reason why if you expose a colorful picture to bright light, as time goes on, the, the, the color would fade out. Okay, that's one of, the one of the reasons. Another reason is like this. You know how people take pictures? When they stand under a statue, you know how they do it? <laughs> you know, they make faces. And they're not gracious, not gracious. And sometimes they even put a foot on the Buddha's uh, leg, you know. Or, you know, they can do all kinds of strange postures. And um, if a statue is low and they're licking an ice cream cone, they'll put an ice cream cone in front of the Buddha's mouth. See, I'm feeding the Buddha. Do you want that thing to happen? We don't want that to happen. It's demoralizing. It's, it's disgraceful. That's the reason why we don't allow people to take pictures. Would that be good reasons for you? Yes, yes, okay, yeah. <laughs>